The time is now. The time is now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the debut edition of the HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com podcast. I am your host, Sean Hubbard, and we are getting this show kicked off with a bang. It's uh, very rare that a show in its beginning stages has the opportunity to uh, have a guest of this magnitude, but today must be my day as I am joined by one of the premier podcast hosts and radio personalities in these United States. He is the co-host of Something to Wrestle with the legendary former WWE writer and on-screen talent Bruce Pritchard. He is the co-host of 83 Weeks with former groundbreaking leader of WCW, Eric Bischoff, and he's also the co-host of Something Else to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard on the WWE Network. And on top of all that, he can help you become a homeowner, pay off your debt, and retire on time. He is the one and only Conrad Thompson. Welcome welcome to the show, my man. Wow, quite the intro, man. I hope I can live up to that. Thanks for having me on today. I know you can, man. With all the accolades, man, my que- my first question is, how do you sleep? When do you sleep? Uh, usually from about 1 a.m. to 6 a.m., and uh, I'm burning it at both ends right now. I'm sure eventually I'll burn out, but I'm having fun for now. Well, like I said, what a great way to start the show off. Uh, it's, it's a huge thing for us, and we really appreciate it. So let's get right into it. Um, like I said, I just ran down your list of accolades. You're doing a lot of shows. You're doing a lot of stuff. When did you become a wrestling fan? When did this whole thing get started from you? Uh, for you? Take us back. Summer of 88 is when my parents first rented a wrestle, wrestling VHS. It was WrestleMania four, the double tape set. And uh, I was off to the races, man. I never looked back, and I was... Uh, I was hooked right away. That's awesome. Do you remember who your favorite wrestler was back in the day? Oh, of course. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, uh, The Ultimate Warrior, Demolition. Uh, I was all in on the typical names that you would expect. Yeah, I was seven at the time, so I couldn't really appreciate some of the things that I was able to maybe 10 years later. But at that very moment, it was about as cool as it could be to see a Hulk Hogan, Macho Man match. It was a great time, man. In my opinion, the best time in wrestling. Um, were you an NWA guy at all back in those days? No, not at that time. You know, I eventually got into it, but I first fell in love with the WWF. Uh, my my dad worked with a guy who got all the NWA pay-per-views, so I started right. watching some of those in 89. I would say 89, 90, and 91. Uh, but by 92, my interest had started to wane, and I was completely out of wrestling in 93, 4, and 5. But flipping through the channels in late 96, I see Hulk Hogan in all black. And I think, what is this? <laughs> so that got me back in, and I, I first typed in, you know, WWF and WCW into the internet for the first time, and discovered all about ECW. And man, I was way back in a big way. So '97 is probably my favorite year as a wrestling fan, just mm-hmm. because it was all so new to me. That's when I started tape trading, and that's when it, really when I grew an appreciation for the NWA through tape trading. Uh, RF Video would put together all these compilations of old horseman promos, and man, I was hooked. I remember how ECW took off, but I remember they used to come on really late at night in New York. I don't know how it, how it was where you are, but it came on really late at night, and like you said, it was all about tape trading at that time. I fell in love with the ECW product, but the first time I got exposed to it was on WWE television, which is ironic, you know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, I first heard about it online, and I had to just like you, stay up until 2 or 3 in the morning to actually get it. But once I had, you know, the opportunity to figure out when it came on, I could just set my VCR for the future, which is a fun sentence to say here in 2018. But, <laughs> yeah, I was hooked. I was in. All in, man, all in. So let, let's, when did you feel like you wanted to take it to another level? We all, we both started off as fans, as all our listeners start off as fans. 
But um, when you decide you really want to take it to the next level and become what I would call a, a really legit on top of your game podcast host, radio personality, almost wrestling personality, when do you feel like you want to do that? Well, it's just a happy accident. Rick Flair was offered the opportunity to do a podcast for CBS Radio. They had just launched a new platform called Play.it. And once that happened, man, I was in. And um, he asked me to you know, just sit in and ask fan questions, and I became sort of an accidental podcaster. One thing I think that's really huge is the Monday Night War, and I think everybody would agree upon that. But I want to focus more on the ending of the Monday Night War, and I do, and I want your perspective on this. When the Monday Night War ended, I feel like it was one of the actually the worst things that could have happened in pro wrestling. Um, the competition went away, and all of a sudden we were kind of stuck with only one show to watch. And the natural thing for WWE, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, is that they no longer had the competition to push them to the levels that they were before. How do you feel about the Monday Night War ending? Do you feel like it was good for wrestling or bad? No, of course it was bad. It's fewer jobs and there's fewer choices. But, I mean, in reality... There was only one show anyway. By that point, WCW sucked so bad mm -hmm. that, you know, nobody was even really watching it or paying attention. Uh, I mean, that's just a fact. However, I do feel like we as fans really enjoyed the freedom of choice. Maybe we knew that other show sucked, but we felt like we had something to sort of rely on and switch back to. And I can appreciate when TNA tried to recreate that. Of course, it wasn't successful, but... Right. They they recognized that people just wanted an opportunity to have a choice. And it's sort of what we all appreciate during football season because there's so many games on at the same time. So if one gets to be pretty lopsided and it's no longer competitive, you can switch the channel and, and find something a little more competitive. And that was not the case here anymore. And I think as a result, everything, everybody sort of suffered. Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember that time, and I remember almost having mixed feelings. It was cool in its initial stages, but with all the the talent WCW had, and um, you you documented this, and you you know obviously with your show with with Eric Bischoff and and Bruce Pritchard, you've had an opportunity to talk to them about it. The contracts they weren't allowed to, and I'm speaking about this strictly from a fan perspective and reading up on it, is the fact that some of the major stars from WCW were not able to come over because, or they choose they chose not to come over because of their contracts. Um, they kind of had a chance to just kind of sit at home and collect uh, on their previous contracts. We didn't get the NWO uh, in W in WWE until 2002, and Goldberg came in 2003, and it was kind of a deal where like the major stars were kind of left out of the shuffle. And it made for kind of a lukewarm uh, invasion uh, angle. What do you feel about the invasion angle in 2001? You know, I appreciate that they tried something. I mean, I think it was sort of the easiest angle that you could have put together and the most natural one. But it, it is a situation where, you know, if you don't have the big stars, it's not going to be as successful. So you've got two schools of thought there. One, wait. And if you wait, will it be as hot? Or, or two, do it now with what you can. Because here's the thing about waiting. Mm -hmm. You know, in hindsight, we can say, oh, well, eventually almost everybody came over. You know, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Goldberg, Ric Flair. Right. But you didn't know that they would right there. You know, a lot of those guys were up there in age. And you thought, I mean, realistically, if they come in, they might come in for a brief run, you know, a three-month span. Not an extended run. And what are the odds that all of them are going to come in at the same time for an angle like that for good money? So right. 
couldn't predict any of that. And I know in hindsight, it's easy to say, oh, they should have gotten this guy and that guy. But if those guys weren't available or financially it just didn't make sense, I think sometimes we as fans have to recognize that there is a delicate balance behind trying to create the most compelling content, which we all say, oh, they should have got this guy, which we get. Mm-hmm. But so, too, you've got to balance it as a business. And realistically, some of those contracts aren't going to be available because of time or because of money or a combination of both. So it was sort of one of those things where I think wrestling fans say, oh, man, how did they get this wrong? But I think it's very easy to get it wrong because you don't know until you try. And, you know, by the time you've, you've maybe signed some guys like Booker T and some guys like DDP, mm-hmm. maybe you can't finish it out. But, you know, I mean, if I had my dream five, I think I would have picked a little differently than they did, but not a ton. I mean, in a perfect world, you could have had Goldberg come over, okay. but I probably still would have saved some of the NWO guys and done something separate for that. But if you had a Ric Flair, a Goldberg, a DDP, a Booker T, I mean, those are sort of the stalwarts of WCW to me. Maybe you throw Scott Steiner in there, and I think the whole angle's way different. But, you know, I mean, why would you want to come in if you're one of those guys? Why would you want to actually go to work and deal with the crazy travel and right. take the bumps and do it for less money when you can just sit at your house and check the mail and make more? Like, that's silly. <laughs> I want to sit in the house, check the mail, and make more. 100%. Speaking of the NWO and factions in general, I, I was watching the WWE Network, and you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the Attitude Era, and it just seems like there were, you know, when you had the Nation of Domination, you had the NWO and WCW, um, DX, obviously, there were many more factions, and they worked. It seems like factions in 2018 don't work as well. Obviously, the Shield... Uh, at the end of last year was looking really good until Dean Ambrose got hurt. How do you feel about the state of wrestling as it pertains to factions and that it seems like it's kind of a lost thing in, in, in wrestling these days? I disagree totally. New Day is a faction to me. Bullet okay. Club is a faction to me. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, the elite is a faction to me. Mm-hmm. I, I think that factions can and do work. It's just a matter of the promotion being committed to pushing it. Okay. Uh, you know, when you go back and you look at, like, League of Nations, no, that didn't work. But, I mean, they weren't really a traditional faction. Who was the leader? Who was the, you know, they did really tremendous business this year about who is the leader of the Bullet Club. Factions sure. can work. You've just got to present them the right way. It's, I want to circle back to your faction thing just because I'm having fun with this. Sure. Varsity Club, tag team or faction? Varsity Club was, in my opinion, they were a faction. It's three guys. You're right. You're right. I guess it's unique to each situation. Make a good point about Varsity Club. I call them a faction. <laughs> <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> New, I just don't look at New Day and the Freebirds in the same way. I look at the Varsity Club. Um, I remember, I'll put it like this. The NWO and DX spoiled me. I, I will say that. Um, yes, they were at their height when uh, it was Hall, Nash, and Hogan. Yes, I think DX was awesome when it was just HBK, China, and Triple H. But the idea of having two guys in the ring, three guys on the outside, or two guys in the ring and five guys can run in, that's how I kind of think about factions. You know what I mean? No, I get it. I mean, the original faction is the four horsemen, and there's four of them and one manager. So I understand why a lot of people think it's more than three, because the original was four plus one. Right. But, uh, to me, a tag team is two. Anything more than that, we're going to call a faction. I could dig that. I could dig that. The old WCW. Uh, 
in its heyday. 96, 97, you could put your finger on and the whole thing crumbled down, crumbled down, started going downhill. When would you say that started? Do you think the finger poke of doom or can you think of something else? Well, I mean, they clearly stumbled from their height, the highest of highs, sometime in, you know, maybe that first quarter, I would say March, April, somewhere in there mm-hmm. of 99. That's when it first started to sort of top out and come down. But in reality, to me, it wasn't at its like, oh, this is the end until Bash at the Beach 2000. I think Bash at the Beach 2000 is the end, the end. You know, the guy who got you there, mm-hmm. both in the ring and, you know, in front of the camera and behind the camera are gone. Right. Eric Schaaf is, is the creative genius that nobody really respects or gives his due credit in 2018. But he turned that company around. He took it from in the red to in the black and creatively, you know, created some of the highest highs in the history of the industry. And he doesn't get the proper credit for that now, but that's another story. He's out of there after Bash at the Beach 2000. And the guy that put WCW on the map, and that annoys a lot of people, but from a mainstream perspective and the person who ignited the boom in professional wrestling, really put a match to it in 96, was Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, the red and the yellow, it sort of petered out. But when he flipped the switch and turned heel, it really changed wrestling forever. And so both of those guys are gone after Bash of the Beach 2000. So if I had to say, you know, this is really the beginning of the end. And don't get me wrong, they'd been losing money before that. A lot of their stuff had sucked prior to that. I'm not arguing any of that. I'm just saying... (laughs) That's when it was like, oh, it's too late now. Like, they can't fix it now. That was really the way I felt, you know, in, in July 2000. Eric Bischoff is definitely a legend in this industry, and I think you're right. He's he's somewhat un- underappreciated. It's nice to see him doing some stuff with WWE in 2018, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I'm not going to keep you much longer, man. This has been an awesome show. I want to do a little bit of uh, word or phrase association with you before I let you go. Um like I said, you're a long, you're a lifelong fan and, and very knowledgeable about the business. So I'm gonna give you a few names, and you can um, kind of just give me your opinion on uh, those people in like kind of a one word or a couple word answer. All right? Yep. All right. Ric Flair. Greatest of all time. The Rock. Biggest star of them all. Stone Cold Steve Austin. The reason the WWE exists today. That's huge. The NWO. The reason Vince McMahon's a billionaire. <laughs> Degeneration X. Copycat. Very true. A lot of people don't like to admit that. The Attitude Era. Doesn't age well. Hmm. The PG Era. Is that now? Is now the the PG era? Yeah, I guess you could say it's now, yep. Uh, when Vince sold out. Ooh. Hulk Hogan. The reason we're talking. That's a fact. Impact Wrestling. What could have been. Mm. John Cena. The most important face in the stock era of the WWE. Okay, okay. Triple H. 
most recognizable son-in-law in professional wrestling. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The women's evolution. Overdue. Ring of Honor. The new ECW. Ooh. Okay, we're coming to a close. Vince McMahon. Walt Disney. Ooh. And finally, and I want you to really dig in if you can, so I'm going to kind of go back on what I said about one word. Just just tell me what you think. Roman Reigns. Misunderstood. You know, the thing is, people, people really uh, have become, I don't know, they overthink wrestling sometimes to me. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to get a reaction, good, bad, or indifferent. If they're reacting, it's a win. You know, if there's indifference... It's not a win. He's in the spot he's in because he's getting a reaction, and he's he's got merchandise sales. That's reality. Right. You know, when, when you're deciding who to put out there and who not to, it's based on who you're making money with. And he's out there because they believe he sells tickets, which is a little harder to track, and we all admit. Or, you know, he's selling merchandise. That's easy to track. Really and truly, you know, selling tickets is not that hard to track because the reality is if he's not announced and then he is announced, you see what the ticket sales were before and after. However, on the merchandise, man, that's the easiest thing in the world. You just log in on the back end and you see who's buying what. And when you recognize who's really moving merch for you, you keep it going. And a lot of people say, oh, the NWO lasted too long. People were still buying the shirts. They're still buying them today. That's the reason it lasted so long. And you know, oh, John Cena should have turned heel. People were still buying the shirts. That's, I mean, that really is the way we as consumers keep something around or get rid of it. Mm-hmm. If if movies are hugely successful, they'll make more of them. Ask Star Wars. If they start to flop financially, people quit going and people quit making them. So that's sort of the same thing to me. Like if you're really anti-Roman Reigns, don't go to any show he's booked on. Seriously. No, and don't right. and don't and don't buy any merchandise. And a lot of people say, "Oh, well, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna go to the shows because I love wrestling." You're telling them that you like Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Now you're booing him, but people booed Ric Flair too, That's and right. so they say, "Oh, but he's a babyface." You don't understand what those words mean. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that to be silly. I'm saying they don't mean the same thing that they did in 1987. Right now, a babyface is not who gets booed or cheered. A babyface is who sells T-shirts, and and people don't really recognize that i don't think because we wrestling fans have read so much and 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 seen so much we start to think that we know how to do this but the reality is it's not just wrestling it's the wrestling business and that's sort of what we've got to rely on is hey where are they spending their money where's the business of this i agree with you 100 percent. i mean um you almost boo Roman Reigns and wonder why you're booing him after you start thinking about it. Before we let you go, I, I've done my research here. Tell us a little bit about StarCast. I hear that's a big event coming up for you guys, right? Absolutely, man. We're super excited about it. We've got like 20 shows on two stages over four days. It's the official convention partner for All In. It's Chicago Labor Day weekend. It is the place to be. Uh, you can still get weekend passes for the opportunity to meet over 50, you know, Hall of Famers and legends of professional wrestling. We'll have lots of fun stuff, including your ability to put on a Ric Flair robe and get your picture made or cut a promo with Tony Schiavone on what looks like the old 1986 TBS set. Wow. Or, or even 
pose with your friends with actual ring-worn belts. So many fun opportunities here. Lots of big surprises are planned. More information to come at StarCast.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T.com. You get all of that I've just ran through over a four-day period for just $49. It's the best value in wrestling. Go check it out and make sure you're in Chicago Labor Day weekend. $49, man. You can't beat that if you try Conrad Thompson, he's the real deal. You can find him at Hey Hey, it's Conrad on Twitter. Uh, Conrad, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. No doubt. He's Conrad Thompson. I'm Sean Hubbard. This is the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast. We're out. Later. <laughs>